Welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. Echo is a group of people in Cincinnati, Ohio, who love Jesus, love hanging out, and are navigating the ups and downs of our faith together. We're glad you're here. We're now in our series called Journey of the Redeemed. It's a study in the book of Luke, and as we explore the life of Jesus, we also examine our own journeys shaped by him. These right here, this has been an important tool in my last year and a half, especially. Headphones. Specifically, even though I laughed at how silly I think they look, the wireless headphones have been helpful to me as I run. But I, for years, I mean, up to maybe seven years ago, I would have told you, I'm a visual learner. I got to read it. I loved reading books growing up. And I I would hear people talk, especially like in class, if I wasn't taking notes, I would kind of tune out. I tried people saying, oh, I listen to books as I drive. I'm like, I would zone out. I mean, music was my thing in my car all the time. But then I started listening to This American Life. And somehow the storytelling engaged me and I realized I could take in things through my ears. I just had to have the right content. And so I started listening to This American Life on the radio as I commuted to work, and then I wanted to finish the story, so I found the podcast, and I started listening to podcasts. Now, then it opened up a whole new world for me, and now I'm on the podcast track. So the second one I really got into was looking through a deep dive of every song of Hamilton, and there were a lot of podcasts out there, but Evan, you recommended this one, and you were right. Thank you. It is amazing if you ever want to listen to that. Now, you know I have talked a few times, maybe too much, about The Office, but there are two podcasts I listen about The Office right now. One, The Office Ladies, they go through show by show, episode by episode. And then Brian Bumgardner, he digs in with all of the actors, all of the producers, and just really digs into how they made that show. Now, there are other show podcasts that I just kind of breeze through. The Good Place. Brooklyn Nine-Nine. There's even a Scrubs rewatch podcast, which, man, they just talk about all kinds of things. Garrett's kept up with it. I have not. You'll have to check with him on the full review. But I just feel like those voices, they kept me company. Like, I could go out on a run, and I could hear those familiar characters, and it would just, the miles would just go away. Now, I really got into, though, learning through audio. So if you want to look at household names, decoder ring or the dream those dig into brands they dig into cultural phenomenon and the dream it digs into multi-level marketing it's this whole thing you'll be interested my aunt is super into true crime and i have listened to serial like the rest of the world but i've not listened to the murdoch murders i don't know if anyone's into these um i got shantae onto that she can give you the review but if i'm cleaning the house then I'll just take a celebrity interview. Life is Short with Justin Long is pretty fun. And Brene Brown, she is always going to introduce me to someone who has deep thoughts and interesting pieces of life. Now, why do I tell you all these things? You can flash, there's a few more on the screen behind me. I even got into books. But the whole point of all of this is that even though these are great recommendations, it's about whose voice is in my ears. Because the thing is, when I was listening in my car, or if I'm in my house and I turn things on in the speakers, you know, 
That's part of my background. It's part of the aura. But if I put words in those headphones, there's something really connected there. I don't know if you feel that way. When I take in content and it's right here, I feel like it's like my thoughts. It's in my brain. So I have to choose carefully. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you that sometimes people's voices, they drive me a little crazy. And I can't put them in my ears because I can hear their mouth sounds or they talk weird. Or there's some podcasts I have turned right off. It's not the content. It's not their fault. It's just somehow that voice didn't fit in my brain. But the right voice. You know what I'm saying? But something I realized the other day. I've gotten into a little habit. Anytime there's downtime, I'm like, oh, turn on a podcast. Turn on another chapter of my book. There's always content that can be filling up the space. And the other day I realized I did it because I didn't want the silence. Today we're going to talk about some voices. Some voices that came to Jesus himself. One was a very good voice and one was a very bad one. But there's different things that we can do to fill the silence. And I want us to look in our series, Journey of the Redeemed. We are looking through the life of Jesus. And hey, we're finally to Jesus. The last couple of weeks, we've been hanging out with his cousin, John, who prepared the way. And if you recall, John lived out into the wilderness, and then he was baptizing in the Jordan River. And that is our burning sand and our bubbling springs chapter of this journey. And Jesus heads to those same settings today. We're going to be in Luke. We're going to begin in chapter 3 at the end and then move into chapter 4 if you want to turn there now. We are going to have the verses on screen today. And let me begin by reading Luke 3, verse 21. When all the people were being baptized, this was by John, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, Heaven was opened. The Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Now Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. But let's remember what John was baptizing, what this was all about. Because last week, we talked about John and the fact that he was saying, come be baptized for a specific purpose. The people of, the, of Israel were used to seeing baptisms happen at the temple. We talked about this last week. That was the way you would be ceremonially clean before you headed into worship. So they were like, yeah, we do this all the time. But John said, this is different. This is a decision you are making to say, I am no longer going to live this way. I'm going to turn and change my life this direction. So why in the world was Jesus baptized? John said this was about forgiveness of sins and Jesus hadn't sinned. We're told he never sinned. So what is going on here? And I just love this, that here, Jesus, he's going and he's doing what he asks us to do. We're going to keep reading in the book of Luke, and you see that nothing Jesus is asking of other people is he not willing to do himself. So though he had not sinned, he said, I agree. I want to do this. This is what I'm supposed to do in order to fulfill. And Matthew chapter 3 also tells this story. And we see that John kind of was like, hey, he's a little hesitant here. He says, John tried to deter Jesus, saying, I need to be baptized by you 
why are you coming to me? Jesus said this was fulfilling righteousness. So that Jesus is demonstrating because he wants to live a life that we can imitate. We here at Echo believe in baptism. We practice it. And unfortunately, there's no baptistry here in our building. So we had to go get a portable one. And we're going to put a video on the screen of how we do baptisms here. Hopefully this will play. This is Liam, who conveniently didn't show up today, so we can embarrass him. But there's Matt baptizing Liam. You can see he goes down into the water and back up. We put this tub out on our front stoop there. Because we believe in this. We believe that there's nothing magical in that water there. Liam or you or me who've been baptized, we're not suddenly super holy and never make a mistake again. This is a a commitment, an outward display to say, I am committed my life to live like Jesus's life. And I know I'm not going to get it perfect, but I'm ready to trust that Jesus is going to help me do this. It's basically saying, I'm trying not to live like myself anymore. It's saying, I know I can't save myself. I'm entrusting one who said he would save me. That's what baptism is all about. And if you have any questions about baptism or about what that means, open invitation. Come talk to me anytime if that's something you'd like to talk more about. So this baptism here, we've said there's a lot packed into these small verses. And after Jesus is baptized, there's a voice. This is that good voice we were talking about. A voice from heaven where God said, you are my son, and I am well pleased. Isn't that beautiful? Doesn't that make you feel good when someone says they're proud of you? They tell you they love you? It's a good feeling. And we can't forget that Jesus was not just God, he was human. And don't you think the human Jesus just maybe felt a little good that day? He got, like, encouragement from the heavens. But he got encouragement that day because he had lived for 30 years in relative obscurity, and now something big is going to happen. His life is going to change. He's going to be very public, very known, and people are going to need a lot from him. And so in this moment, it's like, okay, he's got that affirmation. I'm ready for this. Okay, I can do this. This is my next step. And he got that proud feeling from his heavenly father. I think that even as God, that might make him feel good too. At the end of chapter 3, if you have scripture open, you'll see there's a genealogy. Luke gave us the list of all the ancestry of Jesus. Now, we have gone over this as we were ending our book of Ruth. And we talked about Ruth being an ancestor of Jesus. We dug into a little bit of this genealogy. So we're not going to dig into it very deeply today. Just wanted to point out that in verse 23, it says that Jesus was the son, so it was thought, of Joseph. Luke just puts these little bits in here like, this isn't a normal guy. This is not a human being. And he's reaffirming that here in the genealogy, that Joseph really wasn't Jesus's earthly father or he was his adopted father. And then at the very end, verse 38, whereas normal genealogy would go back and they would say like, okay, this is how you trace your heritage back to Abraham. If you were a Jewish person, you'd be really excited for that. But Luke is going to go all the way back 
to the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. And so all of these things that Luke is writing down to the people who are going to read this gospel, even to us today, is to reaffirm the fact that this wasn't just a person on earth, but he's saying, I believe, and I want you to believe that this man was the son of God. Now we're going to head into the wilderness in Luke chapter 4. And we're going to have a picture here just to, to give us our setting as we remember that this wasn't just any place. This was a desert. This was dry. This was alone. And that's where Jesus is going to head. Right after this amazing experience, he's off by himself. Chapter 4, verse 1. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. For 40 days, he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. You'll notice throughout Luke, and someone pointed this out to me, and I keep noticing, Luke's all about food, and I, maybe that's why I chose this gospel, because I can't imagine being without food for 40 minutes I struggle, much less 40 days. Luke is pointing out some food here. You'll notice this says that Jesus is full of the Spirit. He's guided by the Spirit. We believe here at Echo, we believe that God exists in this world today through his Spirit, that he is here with us now. We don't understand it. It's mysterious, but we trust that he is here with us. And Jesus had that same spirit, God's presence with him. Because while he was living on earth, he had God by his side with him going through these experiences. Now, this looks pretty purposeful. Where, where we have the word tempted here in our English translation, it could also mean tested. And if you notice, if the Spirit is the one guiding Jesus out into the wilderness, God has this on purpose for Jesus. It's not random. And so here, when the devil is tempting Jesus, God has it as a test. The devil is tempting him to sin. Two different purposes with the same action. So we're seeing that, that the devil is allowed to show up here. That there is permission that God is going to use this in Jesus' life for a purpose. So let's not be under any false pretense. This is like Satan versus God clashing, the clash of the titans. Like, no, that's not what this is. Satan, the devil, whatever name we know him by, we know he was a created being. He was created among the heavenly realms with the angels, the spiritual beings from the beginning. And he chose to be greater than God. That's what he wanted to do anyway. His motivation was to try to be greater than God. And so he was an enemy of God. But God created him. So God is way above him. They're not on equal footing here. So I don't know that Jesus has any fear. This is just the conversation. It's a test. It's a representation of things to come. So let's look into this some more. Because... We're going to get to the first temptation. Verse 3 says, The devil said to Jesus, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. I always thought maybe, well, like, what is going on here? It's very human to talk about food. And so, why do we have this? Why is this a test? But I want us to look at the context, because every time that Jesus is tested here, he responds with scripture. And we want to look at what this scripture is. 
Because Jesus is quoting Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. However, we need to look at the whole context. Because when Jesus brings this up, as you would do in a scriptural conversation with a good Jewish person, you talk about one thing, but the Jewish people have the Bible in their hearts and minds, and they know the whole context of this. So let's look back. I'm putting on the screen here, Deuteronomy verses 1 through 3. This says, remember, this is God talking to Israel. Remember, the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness for 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus' ancestors, this history of this people, this amazing story that we've probably all heard about, this heritage that they have, that they celebrate with Passover every year, was that God delivered the Israelites from slavery. But when they left they didn't exactly follow God's commands. And their punishment was not an immediate result of going to the promised land. It was a wandering. Their punishment was wandering. But God didn't leave them by themselves. He says, your clothes never wore out. You were never without food. God provided it every day. They couldn't store it up. It would go bad. But he provided it the next morning every day. And so here, Jesus is emulating the people of God. He said, I'm not going to make bread when I'm suddenly hungry, when God has sustained me for 40 days already. He said, you know, man does not live by bread alone. He, and he was like, well, God has been providing. And he was trusting God's timing. The people in the desert, they were like, well, how are we going to get food the next day? We don't have a refrigerator full of food. And God said, I'm going to provide. You're going to have to wake up in the morning, and you're going to have to trust me. And so Jesus was like, yes, I'm very hungry. However, I'm going to trust in, Jesus, in God, the Father, to provide the food at the right time. I'm not just going to make it happen for my own needs. We're going to head to verse 5 next. The devil led Jesus up to a high place showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world and said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it's written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. I always thought this one was a really weird temptation. Two reasons. One, it says, I don't understand the visual here. Like, I don't know if this was some like kind of a dream sequence where they're, they're going someplace in their minds. Did they take a walk to a high place? And the devil's like, let's just think about, imagine all the kingdoms in the world. Something's happening here. It's kind of interesting. But number two is, I think it's a weird temptation because, like, it's a lie. I mean, God didn't really give Satan all this authority, so whatever he's saying to Jesus is not true. So I don't know how, I was like, how is this a big test? I don't get it. But perhaps, perhaps, this is my own thought as I was reading this week, but I was like, Satan is basically saying, are you ready for power? Are you ready for supremacy? Are you ready for authority? 
And Jesus was going to hear that by people in the next three years. People were going to come to Jesus and say, we're ready for a king on this earth. If you're truly the Messiah that God promised, then you would be in charge right now. You would be taking over Rome and you would be on a throne. Jesus was going to be tested many times to be something he was not called to be. And maybe in a moment, maybe moments from now, maybe a year from now, that might start to sound good again. Because Jesus was human. And at some point, he's probably like, yeah, I can fix this a lot better than the systems that are in place right now. It would just be a lot easier to just fix it. But that wasn't the eternal plan. And so maybe this test now was, are you going to take on a job that you're not intended to do? Even though it would be the great fix in this temporary moment. And so that's what Jesus is being tested. What's in his heart? What's in his heart is, will you hold on to the long-term plan, even when temporarily it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense? And maybe you've had that in your life. Has there ever been this long-term goal, but it, and somewhere in the moment, in the middle, and all the waiting, it's easier to be like, but this would be quicker. This would be easier. Maybe the long-term doesn't matter anymore, and you start to question. We're trying to keep what is eternal in mind. This is a test that we face. And Jesus responded, worshiping God above all else, when he said, worship the Lord your God only, I don't think he's just talking about to the devil here. Well, I don't, I'm like, okay, worshiping him, no big deal. That's an easy no. But maybe it's worshiping self. That would have been a lot easier for Jesus to just say, yes, I'll take temporary glory. I'll say yes to these people who keep asking. They're going to keep asking. They're going to keep asking things of Jesus. And he's going to have to turn some people away. He's going to see their brokenness and have to say no. Because he's trying to worship the Father's plan and not his own. I feel like that's the deeper test here. Let's look at the third one. Verse 9. The devil led him to Jerusalem had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all his tempting, he left him until an opportune time. I just like this, how that's just kind of dangling there. We don't know when the next opportune time was. We're not told about it. Maybe he came to him a lot. Maybe, maybe just a little. But here, I'm glad the way the Luke puts this in perspective. Here, what is this big test, this big temptation? The devil quotes scripture itself. A scripture that is true but it's out of context. You ever had people do that to you? How many times do we see people manipulate and have an agenda and you pull out a scripture and you can make it say whatever you want, right? It's a danger there. Because you hear the words and you're like, those words are true, and yet are they being applied correctly? Was that what God intended when he said it? 
It's the most, ooh, it's the most chilling temptation of all because I think we see it the most often in our daily lives, don't you? The scripture, God's word, God's truth, just being mm, turned just a little bit. And that's hard. It's hard to decipher because we know the words are true, so we have to go back and see what was the intention. And so Jesus is saying right here, no, that's not the point. He's saying those words were not what you needed right here. That's not what God meant. Sure, Jesus could do go to the most populated city of Jerusalem. He could make a death-defying jump, and then everyone would believe he was God when he didn't die, right? That's like a, a spectacle. It's like, it's like Job from Arrested Development. It's an illusion, right? Like he could do whatever he wanted. But the point of God coming to earth God could have made a big splash and done it however he wanted, but he chose a human to live on the earth. He spent 30 years and he hasn't even started the ministry yet because God was about relationship. He was about coming to people, sometimes one-on-one. And you think you're the God of the universe and you took time with like one-on-one conversations? That's the God who created us. That's the God who loves us. And it wasn't going to happen in an instant. It was going to take time. And so Jesus, this test here is that would he put in the, would he put in the work? Just because it was God doesn't mean it was easy for Jesus. He was going to have some low days. He was going to have some other silent times. He was going to be alone in the desert. And what would he choose? No one else was around to see it. What would he choose in the privacy of his own time? Would he still choose? Would he choose the father's plan? I just think it comes down to the voices that he listens to. Here's what really blew my mind this week. I've grown up in church. I have heard this story many times. It was kind of like, what am I going to say today that's any different? But I read something this week by N.T. Wright, who kind of talked about, you know what? I mean, I always pictured like, I don't know how it looked, you know, maybe. Maybe the devil is just hanging out here and they're talking. N.T. Wright said, what if this was in his head, the voice in his mind? What if the devil came and tempted Jesus the same way you and I are tempted? We're not tempted by this physical apparition suddenly coming in our lives. That might be easy to spot. What is the temptation? How does it happen to you and me? You just get a thought in your head. You just get a scripture that's slightly out of context. Isn't that our test? And if that's how Jesus experienced these tests, I thought, whoa. I relate even more now. Because Jesus is alone in the wilderness and... There's a voice just as close as those headphones in my ears. Whether he was a physical presence or just a thought in his mind. The same thing. There was still a thought. And I think three years from now, two years from now, Jesus still might have thoughts. And every test that comes his way, did it come through the voice of the devil? Did it sound just like this voice he'd heard before? I hope, I hope and trust that on the same day that he would also try to remember that voice from the heavens. 
that the devil's voice wasn't the only one in his ears, that he could remember and hold on to that, that love from the Father. Because that's what we have to do. When we, when we experience voices, they might be very real in our lives by people that we are supposed to trust. We're going to have voices that come to us that say things that, that are challenging, that are testing. People are going to look at you and expect you to be something that you're not. They're going to expect you to have an agenda that's not your goal to do. They're going to expect you to look a certain way, act a certain way, and you're going to disappoint somebody. But you have to remember whose voice you're holding on to. Because Jesus, he has the same scripture that we have access to. We have not only the Old Testament that Jesus studied and quoted, we have all the life of Jesus in our hands, at our access. And so I want us to challenge this week. You're going to hear some voices, and some of them are just going to be thoughts in your mind, and some of them are going to be out loud. And we got to combat that with some good truth, some true words, some positive words, some things about ourselves and about our identity to remember who we were created to be. So it takes... It takes remembering God's words, and that can come through Scripture. God's words can come to us through the Spirit, as we said. But sometimes it's helpful to remember. Philippians 4 says, Brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. I want you to find your things, your true things in this scripture, and I want you to try to put it in your heart. There's going to be times where you don't have your phone to pull out and you don't have the book near. Try to put it in your heart and in your mind. Memorizing is kind of a hard thing to do for me. A lot of times I memorize scripture based on the worship songs that we sing. When it's in music, it's in my head. But there's so many times where things come to mind or a song will come to mind that we've sung here. And I'm like, yes, that is my prayer. And that is my reminder. Because there's so many other things coming at me all week and all day. And instead of just throwing in the headphones, I just need to try to remember what's true. God's voice. We keep talking about how we live as the redeemed people of Jesus on this journey. And I think today's point is to trust that God's voice, trust in God's voice that is true. Focus on him. Let's store up the things that are true about ourselves. Let's remember that the same creator who spoke adoration and love from heaven to Jesus has the same adoration and love for us. Let's keep that voice in our ears this week. Will you pray with me? Thank you, God, that your voice comes in so many ways. It comes through other people where your spirit lives. It comes through your word written in scripture. It comes through those encouraging thoughts that come to mind. We thank you, Lord, for for all the ways you show your love for us. Thank you for creating us, for giving us purpose. Help us to battle the lies that come whether they're coming out of the mouths of people that we care about or they're just coming in thoughts that attack us during the week. Help us to find strength 
and protection in you and in your love and in your truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for the gift of your attention today. If you ever want to join Echo Church in person, we meet on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. You'll find us at 1301 East McMillan Street. That's in the Walnut Hills neighborhood of Cincinnati, Ohio, just up the street from our city's beautiful Eden Park. Find out more about us on our website, echochurch.org. Have a great week.